0: welcome one and all to our service today. I want to welcome myself as well. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> just want to get your attention there. That's right. <laughs> but we want to welcome you to our service here this morning and we pray that the Lord will just bless us as we continue worshiping him and as we continue hearing from him. And uh, we're still continuing in our series here with 1st John. And today we are focusing on verses 15 to 17 and we're going to be challenged this year, year this morning as we focus on this word. And I pray that as we are challenged that we will take it on and live up to the standards that God uh, uh, has in mind for us and has in store for us and what he requires of us. And may we be blessed this morning and challenged as we focus on his word today. Let's just read our scripture this morning, and then after that we will pray together. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So far may God bless the reading of his precious word. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again for today, and thank you that we can gather in this way. And for Lord, thank you for your goodness toward us. You've been good to us. You've been faithful. You've blessed us in so many ways, and we are so grateful to you this morning, Lord, for another opportunity to worship you, another opportunity you give us, Lord, to draw near to you and to seek your face. We bless you, Lord, for those who are gathered here today, Lord. Thank you for each individual, every person, Lord, and thank you for the, the incredible amount of blessing that they add to our lives, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, just... Being part of their lives, and Lord, amidst the battles amidst everything they 've braved even the weather today to be here to be to hear from you, Lord, and we pray that you will bless us as as you challenge us through your word, Lord thank you father for for those i haven't seen for a while I, Lord and I think think of Alfie in particular Lord it's so good to see him lord and i've I believe he was here last week, and, Lord, I pray that you will just continue, Lord, to, to, to be with him and to encourage him, Lord, and that you will strengthen him all the time, Father. Lord, there are many others who are in need of a fresh touch this morning. Won't you reach out to them and touch their lives and encourage them here today, Lord? We commit ourselves to you now, and we pray, Lord, that you will speak into our lives And that we will submit to your lordship and your authority in everything we do and say. We pray that you will bless us further now, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's word. It's an amazing thing, eh? John's usage of the the term world here refers to something specific. Do not love the world, he says. It refers to something specific. He is not talking about the physical world, the earth, nor the human world. He is referring to a system. Let us understand this right from the outset. When John talks about do not love the world, he's talking about a system. He's referring to a system. Just as you might hear a sports commentator speak, of the world of sports or a newscaster may refer to the world of politics john is referring to a world system here he's commanding you not to love the fallen wicked system not the people of the world he's not referring to that because we've got to love people and we've got to be there and we've got to encourage them. He's, He's commanding you not to love the fallen, wicked system that excludes God where the Lord is out of the picture and is under the influence of Satan. Whenever you find yourself in Satan's arena and you decide to play his game, you end up focusing on your own wants Needs and desires. This is what John is trying to say here. What is his game? That's the question. What is Satan's game? Satan's game is rebellion to authority. Pride or lying. Self-fulfillment apart from God. Earthly longings independent of God. Yes, the world here is not the earth or the physical globe on which we live. The world is the, what we would call, deficient system of values that cannot satisfy you completely. When we talk about deficient, nothing in the world satisfies completely. You've got to go for more and more. Isn't it true? You need to go, you know. And, and the amazing thing about the world is that nothing in the world last forever it doesn't last forever and this is what uh, John is talking about here, the systems you know, and, and the world is a system that attempts to run our culture and even run our lives when the Greek word translated world yeah, is the word cosmos you've heard that before, which means the world apart from God, yes he created it and I want to say this, John is not saying the world is not good there's a lot of good in the world. Yes, there's also a lot of bad. But we need to be aware of it. He's not, he's not saying the world is not good. There's a lot of good things happening in the world, and the world has a lot of good to offer. We must remember, that, but it doesn't last. Isn't it true? <laughs> Are you still <whistling> with me? <laughs> Thank you. The world's systems generate and sustain our government and politics entertainment, fashion, business ethics, healthcare, culinary flavors, economics, and the use of power. Just to mention a few, that's the world system. The world systems have formed much of our belief, systems, and attitudes. And these, in turn, have shaped our thinking and our behavior. But this morning, as we think of John speaking to those hu- those house churches, he's encouraging not to love the world. Why? And firstly, I'm going to ask questions this morning, and not, in, in, as we try to answer this, are you progressing, firstly, towards godliness or conformity, where John says, "Do not love the world or anything in the world." Did you hear that? And now you, you say, "Hey, pastor. Hey, Alan." But there's a lot to love in the world. Yes, there is. (laughs) But I want to say this again. It doesn't last. Are you progressing toward godliness or conformity? Verse 15a. And I think uh, from the word cosmos comes the word uh, cosmopolitan, you know and speaks about us being citizens of the world, you know, people being citizens of the world. You are a citizen of the world, or which uh, city are you uh, a citizen of earth this morning? And then also the other word is the word cosmetics that comes from that word cosmos. Now cosmetics is big today, isn't it true? <laughs> and uh, people are saying, I can do with a face, lip, and eye lift <laughs> to bring order out of disorder in my life people want you know people are very much concerned of, about looks and all of that which is there's nothing wrong with it but you know we focus on so many things but that's uh, you know there's a, such a lot of cosmetics in the world and sometimes we we do things the way the world does it we cover up and we we, we you know we we end up not doing what we should be doing and living the way we should be living, you, you will get you will make sense of this as we continue. Do not be deceived by the subtle. That's what John says. Attractions of the world system. Real Christians are in the world, but we are not of the world. We interact with the world, but we are not captivated by it. When a boat is in the water, the Hey? What happens? When a boat is in the water, there is no problem. But when the water is in the boat, word bother, it's, you have problems. It is good for a Christian to be involved in the world as a witness, but it is not good for the world to be in the Christian. And the influence of the world in the life of a Christian usually begins as a slow leak as a subtle progression, slowly I'm drawn to away from the things of the Lord and the things of the world becomes more important. It's a subtle progression. Little by little I'm doing it and I'm deviating and I'm not even aware of it. Eventually I find myself so far from the Lord and now I, I, I ask myself, now how do I get back? And the long road back is always a battle. No Christian is captivated by the world all at once. But many little steps into disobedience. Or even sin. Little compromises. Little reductions. The world talks about reductions. eh? Little reductions. I'm reducing my commitment to the things of the Lord. I'm reducing living for the Lord the way I should live for the Lord I'm reducing that but because other things are more important than the Lord and I want to ask you a question what if the Lord says I'm reducing your health I'm reducing your ability to think I'm reducing my blessings I'm reducing my grace what if he says that What would happen to you? We need to be careful. And this is our warning here this morning. We need to be careful how we serve the Lord. Never say, you can never say, hey, I haven't got time for this anymore. Imagine he says that. Things that used to bother you as a young Christian. Can you remember that? It's not not a big deal anymore. We say that. We even say not a big deal. Commitment is not a big deal. It is a big deal, my brother, my sister. Stop making excuses. Stop fabricating (laughs) uh, uh, cover-ups and all of that in order uh, to to make excuses for not being committed. Stop justifying why you're doing certain things. Stop doing that. It's a big deal to serve the Lord. It's a big deal to be committed to the Lord. Some of us say accountability is not a big deal. It is a big deal. You've got to take responsibility and you've got to be accountable. And some of us go even further and say, I can be moody. I have a right to be moody. So, so people have got to realize that, that sometimes I'll have these mood swings and they've got to... No, my goodness. Ooh, <laughs> we've got to be careful. No big deal. No big deal every time we say that. Eh? <laughs> and Eventually, you know what happens? Uh, uh, there's a defiance that comes over us. And when I defy others, it's like, I will show you. And once I've reached that point where I am defying others to show them that this is the way I live, I'm on dangerous ground. You know, uh, I read somewhere this, and I'm just mentioning this now. This is not part of the... But, you know, double-mindedness soils the soul pollutes the soul stains the soul double mindedness stings the conscience you you feel ashamed you feel guilty but you don't do anything it stings you no matter how you try to run from it it will continue to sting you until you get it right Double-mindedness sours the soul, or rather the spirit. Isn't that what happens? I've lost my joy. I've lost it all, and I've become such a sour person. Then the last thing is double-mindedness seals the lips. Suddenly, I have nothing to share about the Lord. I have no testimony. In fact, even when I praise the Lord, I don't even know how to praise Him, even though I'm raising my hands in praise to Him. You see, I want to say this to us. Stop, Stop guarding against being stained by the world. Stop misrepresenting Christ. All of you have tried to do some painting. I'm sure all of us have tried to do some painting. Now, if you are like me, you try to not get any paint on you at all. Isn't it true? You don't want to get any paint on you. But as the day wears on while you're painting, well, that's what I've discovered, eventually you get to the place where you stop caring whether you get paint on you or not. Isn't it true? <laughs> you, nobody's answering. <laughs> Being stained by the world is the same, you see. You see sin in your life, but you stop doing anything about it. You see sin in others, or you see wrongs in others, you stop doing anything about it, you leave it. You cannot. Can you see that? That is why John is talking about "Do not love the world here. Once you get covered with enough of the world's flavor, once you get covered with enough of double-mindedness and and its flavor, you do not look any different than the world. You cannot tell the difference between yourself and a non-Christian. You have become conformed literally adopting and imitating the way of the world. And we've been warned in Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Nothing about you causes people to think you are different. They do not see Jesus in you. Just another person, just like themselves, captured by their system. I ask you this morning, what do you love most? The Father or the world? The Father's massive weight of grace. Massive amount of grace. Massive extent of grace. Massive level of grace leads us out of the land of bondage. I don't have to be in bondage to a system into the land of freedom. Have you noticed that? When somebody is free, there's joy, there's peace, there's victory to land of freedom. Now that sounds radical, doesn't it? Well, it is. The gospel is radical. The death of Christ on the cross is radical. The resurrection is radical. Salvation Your life being totally transformed is radical. Who but the Father would radically love us, radically deliver us, radically reach out to us, no matter what condition our lives are in, or state our lives are in. Who but the Father would do that? The world teaches us, and this is probably, I don't know if you ever heard this word. The world teaches us to read, de-radicalize. De- in other words, to fall in line. Isn't it true? Just fall in line, my brother. Just go along with us. Fall in line. You see, as Christians, we don't fall in line. We make a difference. But if we have Christ we have everything we long for, for eternity. If we have Christ, we have everything we need for eternity. He gave himself for you. What has the world given for you? What has the world given for you? Well, there's a lot to offer, but what has the world given for you? But secondly here yeah, this morning, are you still with me? Oh, really? this was this first one was a bit long. I hope the, the next points will not be this long. Do you ignore his presence or any or are you pursuing him? Verse 15B and it says that if anyone loves the world the love of the Father is not in him. To love the world is to love an impersonal system. To love the world is to turn your back on Him, ignoring His personal presence. And I'm sure you have this in your notes here. You say hi on a Sunday to the Lord, isn't that true? And then ignore Him the rest of the week. Hi, Lord. Remember me. And then it's and it's over for the rest of the week. You don't. There's nothing. No relationship. Nothing's happening. Eh? But. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6.21. We need to begin to evaluate what is most important to us. In Christ we have many resources of hidden treasures available to help us on our journey as we pursue Him. The rewards of our treasure hunt are worth pursuing. Run after Him hunt, hunt the Lord, pursue Him. But how will we know the real deal? By incorporating godly values into our lives and the fruit that they produce. Brothers and sisters, we have found real gold, real treasure in Christ. A I'll ask a philosopher, what is integrity? He replied, integrity is what you are like when nobody's around. Next, a businessman was asked for his definition. In my world, he said, integrity means a person is as good as his word. Then they invited an attorney to enter. What is integrity, they asked him. Tell me, he whispered. What do you want it to mean? Whatever you want it to mean, in other words, I'll go along with it. Is that where you are this morning? (laughs) What do you want it to mean? eh? (laughs) Being authentic is something that is beyond us. It is a truth and a reality that is bigger than we are because we are impacting lives for eternity daily, brothers and sisters. You see that? It's bigger than we are. A person of integrity has a clear conscience and can face anything without any fear. Those who value personal pleasure says, it's about what I want, what makes me happy, and what seems to give me the most satisfaction now. When people who... Valued personal prosperity, that's the thing. The values today is basically pleasure and personal pro- prosperity in our world today. You know, personal, when people who valued personal prosperity were asked, what single factor would most improve the quality of their lives? So the well, most frequent answer was what? More money. <laughs> but that's good. There's nothing wrong with it. I want to say there's nothing wrong with it. All of us need money, all of us. Yet, inflation steals its value every day. Eh? But we do need that, and those are good things. But That's why I say, John talks about it. he says, there's a lot of good in the world, but there's also a lot of bad, and we need to be, be aware of that. Worldly values include power, pleasure, revenge, fame, Vanity, when I think of vanity, I can only think of this word being egocentric. It's about my ego. You understand that? I'm vain. I'm arrogant. It's about me and my ego, you know, and status. The values taught in the Bible are often the opposite of worldly values. Kindness and respect for all people instead of power. Humility instead of pride. Honesty and generosity instead of deception. Self-control instead of self-indulgence. Forgiveness instead of revenge. There is no place for holding a grudge, revenge, retaliation, or getting even in the life of a Christian. The Lord says, vengeance belongs to me. Isn't it true? We possess a joy and peace that no worldly rewards can ever match. And I thank the Lord for that. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Psalm seventy-three twenty-five. God wants a heart that desires nothing but Him. Possesses nothing but Him. Pursues nothing but Him ask you this morning, what satisfies you? What satisfies you? Thirdly, is the passion of your heart toward God or the world. Verse 16 it speaks about the, you know, it speaks in verse 16. It reads, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men. Now, I love the King James, which is the lust of the flesh, um, the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life, that's what, and that's what we're going to focus on here this morning. The, now the word lust in Greek, uh, you, you see it there, is epithumia. It's an intense desire for some particular thing. It denotes the presence of strong impulses or desires, yearnings, longings after, or passionate craving, whether good or evil. Love can wait and worship endlessly. Lust says, I must have it all at once. The lust of the flesh. There, the word there, it's a word for, for flesh. It's the word socks in Greek. It's the insatiable appetite to indulge in pleasures that inflame the flesh but never satisfy. That urge within us Toward total independence And rebellion That's what it's about Toward being our own little gods Small letters Accountable to no one Responsible to no one Obeying no one Respecting no one And running our little world To suit ourselves Rest of the flesh eh? Peter says in First Peter 2.11, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. The lust of the eyes, eyes that continually want more riches, possessions, pleasures that gratify the sight and the mind. What are you looking at these days? You know what you're looking at that you shouldn't be looking at. You know what you, your focus is on. This morning, <clears throat> yeah, and that's what it's all about. It's like uh, in in Genesis six or, or three, verse six, six verse six, where, where where Adam and Eve were were tempted, and it, it basically it says, "I see it, I want it, I take it," and that's what happened to Eve. Can you remember? She saw it, she wanted it, the forbidden fruit, and she took it. And she shared it with her husband. Hey, poor husband, you know that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I see it. I think of David with Bathsheba. He saw her. He wanted her. He took her, you know. And uh, what about Achan in Joshua 7? He, He saw all those articles. It was forbidden to take it. They were not. They were supposed to destroy everything when they when they when they destroy when they were fighting against AI. But he decided, okay. I, he saw all those articles and he wanted to enrich himself and he wanted to enjoy whatever was there. He saw it. He wanted it. Aiken took it. And that's what, uh, that's what happened there. And this is what happens when, when it comes to the lust of the eyes. Eh? <laughs> and some, sometimes when you think of the lust of the eyes also, looking great on the outside, that's, how, that's what we try to do. We're looking great on the outside, even if you are dying on the inside, is important to you. You see that? It's important to you. But you've got to look great on the outside. Isn't it true? It's good to look good. Isn't it true? And to feel good. But it's also good to know that the Lord is really important to us and so forth. True satisfaction is found only when we give our affections to eternal things. To right relationships with our Heavenly Father. And then of course the pride of life. Again, egocentric confidence, vain confidence, egocentric confidence in one's own resources or in the accumulation of earthly things. Pride of life will be reflected in whatever status symbol is important to me or seems to define my identity, like the car I have, the house I have, the family I have, it defines my identity. The job I have, the education that I have, right? <laughs> defines my identity. You see, pride of life means self-exaltation. Are you exalting yourself? Thinking what you have and what you are is of your own doing. Pride in possessions, financial means. Property, livelihood. Yes, it's important to have these things. I'm not saying it's not wrong. Not wrong to have it, please. But when we make those things our priority and not the Lord, that's when it becomes a dangerous thing. I hope you understand that here this morning. The more we focus on our desires, On the world, allowing the world's mindset to take root and grow, the more we push the Lord to the edges of our hearts. And then finally, here this morning, do you live with a heavenly or a worldly perspective? Verse 17. Let's read it together. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. You guys have gone quiet for a moment there. John is telling us if we do not allow eternity to rip through every aspect of our lives, we become worldly. We live for feeling good. Possessions being known or only for our families. We become worldly when every day is not impacted by eternity. If you build your life or build your life on the passing things of the world, you will pass along with it. Can you remember Belshazzar in uh, in Daniel 5.20? He passed along with whatever. Whatever he was proud of, he passed along with it. And uh, that's what happens, you know, you pass along. (laughs) <laughs> with the world but I want to say this year, this morning I want to make a statement everything in the world has a price you hear that? do you ever think about it? everything in the world if I, I want to enjoy a Big Mac I will have to pay for it <laughs> isn't it true? If I want to enjoy A banana milkshake I have to pay for it Everything in the world has a price But you know what You can come to Jesus just as you are If we confess our sin to him How will he respond Will he beat us up Will he cast us out? No. He will cleanse us. He will change us. He will transform us. When we bring our mess-ups to the world, it shames us. When we bring our mess-ups to Jesus, he saves, transforms, and delivers us. Isn't it true? People have been confused and frustrated and have relied on hunches and weird, hocus-pocus, what we call abracadabra, to discover the will of God for their lives. God's will has more to do with what we are and what we are becoming than where we are or even what we are doing. The next time you try to figure out your net worth, Remember all your possessions and holdings are only for two purposes in God's eyes. Even if you don't remember anything else here, remember this. As a tool, it's used as a tool for the kingdom of God and to invest in eternity. None of your money possessions, even your children, and that's a humbling thing even to me, even your children are yours. You've been blessed. You've been blessed by the Lord. All of it is God's, and you are merely a steward, taking care of what God has blessed you with. You're merely a steward, my brother, my sister, Invest well today. We are to sow now to reap eternally. We are to be focused on God's will for our lives and this planet. To share Christ with the ain'ts and build up the saints. For people to come to Christ and become like Christ. Worldly self-esteem bases your worth on appearance Possessions and accomplishments, the kind of esteem, this kind of esteem focuses on self and does not add value to your life. It minimizes your potential for growth and influence. And I want to conclude with these three statements I want to make here this morning. You are valuable because of who you are. You are made in God's image and in His likeness. Genesis 1.26 You are valuable because of what you cost. You have been chosen by God for adoption as sons and daughters according to Ephesians 1.5 but more than this, this adoption came at a high price, the death of His Son. For we have not been redeemed with uh, with silver or gold but with the precious blood of the Lamb. 1 Peter 1 verse 18. You are valuable because of what you can become. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 speaks about that. As a person who is adopted into his family, you can be sure that he has a plan for your life to be transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Jesus wants to live and relate with you permanently, be intentional about living a life that matches who you are by virtue of your relationship with Christ. He has made you unique and has given you unique gifts to influence others and add value to their lives. Stop being satisfied with the status quo it leads to stagnation. You have the potential to keep growing, making a difference in this world, and adding value to others until the day you die. May you be blessed this morning as you realize that you are valuable because of who you are made in his image. You are valuable because of what you can become. You are valuable because of God's purposes that he wants to see being fulfilled in your life. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we honor you that although the world has great systems in place Lord your love is greater, your purposes for us are even bigger than that the world could ever Lord give to us and Lord the world has a good place to be in there's a lot of evil too but Lord you've placed us here on this planet earth to make a difference and Father while we are part of this world and interacting with it daily allow us Lord to make a difference to shine our lights and to honor you in every way we bless you again for this day and we pray that you will now continue with us even further